It's July 16th, 2020, and you're listening to the Architecture Geeks podcast. I'm Larry. And I'm Matthew. And we're your friendly neighborhood architects being geeky as we want to be. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to week 354 of the pandemic. I, I don't know anymore. I just I just kind of look out the window now and go, oh, look, it's it's another day and it's hot again. And it's the middle of July already. We're like freaking out. It's the middle of July. I think time has lost, officially lost all of its meaning at this point. Yeah, I think so, too. It's like, oh, wait, is it Thursday? Oh, it is Thursday. Oh, crap. We have to podcast today. So <laughs> those little reminders to sort of keep you on track. But one of the things that, that's been interesting about this whole mess, I have to say, is that we are learning, you know, COVID has forced all of us to, uh, I guess, change our patterns and change our habits. And it, it's not just what we do personally and how we see family and how we talk to friends. It's to the point that we're, it's changing the way as architects, how we interact with our clients. And it's you know, from the initial meetings through design meetings and sometimes even community meetings, there's there's this whole change happening and as firms are discovering that their employees can essentially work from home and, and effectively work from home, they're also discovering that, you know, Hey, not only can we work from home, but we can actually do all of these meetings and client interviews without actually having to be around the client. <laughs> and I think that's a big change for everybody. Yeah. And in person used to be the way to go. Just, from a you know building a personal relationship with everybody, uh, that's going to be your inter- that that you're going to be interacting with. Uh, so today we thought we'd go over some strategies for meeting with new clients, uh, reviewing designs with them both personally and virtually, and then some of the liability and limitations that may pop up while trying to pull a building together during these uh, crazy times. <laughs> yeah, and let's face it, it's just nutty as all get out. Yeah. So I guess we can we can start with the obvious. Like everybody has their chosen virtual platform that they've gone to these days since we're all working remotely. Uh, you know, you have your Zoom and Microsoft Teams are among many different platforms that people have chosen to migrate to. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think James's firm uses Teams a lot now, but they also keep their Skype up and running for some reason, and it seems, which he hates, he hates Skype, but they seem to be using mostly, I think, Teams. And I, I've, my few meetings I've done on Zoom, and I've got a, a colleague up um, in the mid, I guess, Midwest, that they do nothing except Zoom. I don't think they even have approached using the Microsoft Teams yet. But yeah, there's there's a ton of platforms out there. So I think there's all sorts of opportunities to figure out, you know, really how do you connect with people going forward? Everyone, ha- I feel like, has had a different experience within the various stages of lockdown uh, during the pandemic. But one thing I feel like we all have in common is we're finding out just how hard it is to meet new people during COVID. So I've got this question for you, Larry. How have you gone about meeting new people, clients more specifically? And and once you have met these potential new clients, how have you 
met with them? How have you gone through your process with them? Ooh, so uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, the people that I've, the, the new clients that have come along have come along lately by referral. So I'm not you know, going out there actively, mar- actively marketing to, you know, obviously you can't go to a networking lunch or, well, no, you can do a virtual networking lunch, but there are not the opportunities to necessarily go out there and schmooze people the way they used to. So a lot of my work really has come from referrals, but I have had a couple of things happen, you know, with, with, with prospective clients, sometimes you can meet with them in person. You just have to be very cautious and careful, but the, I did do a meeting via zoom. I I did an initial meeting via zoom and it was the first one I had done and was completely freaky. I felt very uncomfortable, you know, because I'm used to I'm used to being in their home and looking around and sitting down with them and chit-chatting and really getting to know them. And it was very businessy, straightforward. It, what would normally have been an hour-long meeting took all of 20 minutes. And I got done and I'm like, I don't think I'm gonna gonna want to do that again. <laughs> that's just that's just weird. And now I did go, I had a, another meeting that was actually in person, but we, I went over to the, to the p- potential client's house and we both had our mask on, very careful being around each other. And we concluded the meeting actually outside on her back patio because then, you know, we felt we could take our mask off. We could stay far enough away from each other, but really kind of make that connection at that point. And that actually worked really well. So I guess it's some of it's just trying to, trying to figure some of that out. I know that I have a colleague, Karen, who works for a firm that has an office in Indiana and Ohio, and they were getting ready to do their first client. I guess it was the first project interview with a potential client. And we're talking, you know, I deal with, with individuals, so it's a very personal thing, but they do typically K through 12, K through 12 work. So they're doing all this, all this schoolwork and those meetings tend to be very certainly for not, not intense, but you're talking about a larger audience. You're talking about a a significant group of shareholders, maybe very involved. Yeah. Very involved, very involved indeed. So they are, they they are still trying to figure some of that out. I'm not sure if they've done the interview yet or not. But they have been doing a ton of Zoom meetings uh, to the point that they are actually doing community engagement meetings via Zoom. So they are connecting with their end users, essentially. So we're talking the teachers, the parents, that sort of stuff via Zoom. And they actually go and they break out into meetings off to the side from the general meeting. So you can actually break out into little groups and conduct your your engagement that way. So it's kind of interesting. Well, yeah, one thing that I've found in, in doing larger group Zoom meetings has been, for at least for me, the, the challenge has been getting anything said to anyone because it seems like one person at a time gets to dominate the entire conversation and the, the seven or eight people around, you know, usually the, the conversation is very natural, very fr- free flowing if you're in person. But if you get into a, that larger group setting, it, it, it loses a bit of that because of just the nature of a, a Zoom call. One person's talking and, and everybody else just kind of has to shut up and listen while 
while that one person gets their thought out rather than everybody just kind of talking with that with with the group and, and getting more of a group consensus rather than just this very directed very pointed kind of interaction that you get on a zoom meeting oh completely i mean I, and i i've i was on a um did a panel for perkins and will their office here in dallas did a panel discussion and I was one of three people and then eventually four people who were part of the panel. And it was very much you, you, you really couldn't talk over each other because uh, it was too disruptive. So, yeah, you, you get very much, you know, everyone says they're one thing at one time and no one talks over each other. And, and that sort of, you know, weird, I, I don't know. It was just very, very strange to me. But I think that's the challenge, especially when you're doing these bigger, bigger meetings, is to make sure that everyone gets to have their say and no one feels feels left out. But apparently, apparently, Karen's firm has really figured out how to do this. And so kudos to her. But I know that she is constantly on Zoom meetings. <laughs> she actually emailed me. We were trying to connect and she emailed me and she said, can we just do a phone call? Because I can't do another Zoom meeting. <laughs> She's like, I can't do Zoom anymore today. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, yeah. So, so after you've met with your prospective clients and and figured out that everybody's on the same page, you know, next thing we try to figure out is is how do you do a design review meeting? Because you you put together this nice set of plans and and maybe a few elevations to to show the client how how do you communicate that over zoom and 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 obviously the the obvious answer is just screen share duh but i've actually found uh, a really handy way that i've been able to do this was inspired by a board game night that Faye and i had a while back which we literally hooked up one of our phones to a selfie stick and then pointed the 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 camera on the back of the phone straight down at the table and then hooked that selfie stick up to a tripod so that the camera is hovering perpendicular to the table and then we were able to place the board game underneath the directly underneath the camera and then Everybody dialed into the Zoom meeting, and then we were able to talk with each other and not only talk with each other, but also see the board at large. And then Faye and I would move everybody's pieces around according to how they they wanted to do things. But I also found that to be a, a really convenient way to put drawings, use that same setup to put drawings under the the camera, and then I would just mark them up by hand. And I found that to be a a very easy way to to do that. So I personally have just come up with a little impro improvisation and, and it seems to have worked well for me at least. Yeah. You know, I, that's, that's, I'm like, somebody needs to patent that. Someone needs to, you know, put that out there as, as a, cause it, it shouldn't be hard to do. I think you could figure out the right, the, the right hardware to make all of that work. But I think that's, that's a, an interesting way to do it because there's so much communicated when you're hand drawing and you're, you're sketching on top of things. The, the one thing that I've had going for me, I have clients who live like six minutes from my house right now. And we've actually been meeting in person 
Everybody has a mask on. We're very cautious. But it's helped to sit there at the table with them and be able to sketch on top of things and say, hey, here's what we're thinking. And, and so that they can see what's happening. Oh, let, what, oh, why don't we take this and rotate it around or put this over there? It's been very helpful because I haven't figured out a way to do that hand sketch yet. So I, there, in the past, I've, I've done this a couple of times, but we had a client up in, up in Richardson, which is just north of Dallas, that the husband and wife could not meet at the same. It was almost impossible for them to meet together at the house late in the afternoon. There was just too many things happening. So what would happen was that we would set up, it wasn't a, it wasn't Zoom wasn't around at the time. It was a go-to meeting. So we went to a go-to meeting setup and I'd simply shared my screen with both of them. I, he called in at his lunch. She called in at her lunch. I'm sitting in the conference room, pulled it up on my computer and we actually did real-time modifications. You know, we, they were able to look at the plan like, hey, can we stretch that over there six inches? Or what if we stretch this over here? And it was really interesting to sort of do that real-time design with the client versus sketching something and sending it to them and getting a response back. It's, it's sort of, in a lot of ways, it really was sort of hand-sketching, I guess, but on the computer, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. But speaking of in-person meetings, you know, this is this is something I've been doing and a lot of people haven't been, they're, they're trying not to meet with clients if they can help it. And there isn't really, for U.S. architects, there really hasn't been, or I haven't seen a protocol for client meetings. And for us, because you and I both do a lot of residential work, that means we're in people's homes and that gets to be a very, can be a very confined space, to be very... I won't say on top of each other, but you know what I mean. And an architect that I follow on Twitter posted this COVID-19 safety protocol, except he's in Ireland <laughs> and I am not. So I pulled this thing up and I'm like, oh my God, this is genius because the sheet actually listed out for architects who are going into people's homes what the architect behavior was, what the client's behavior needed to be, including, you know, if anybody in your family is displaying any symptoms, you postpone the meeting. You know, if the architect's displaying symptoms, you postpone the meeting. Hand, sanita hand sanitizing, the client opening any doors for you as you're going through so you don't have to actually touch anything. I mean, it was just interesting that they had, someone had sat down and really thought this out. There's a architect, his name is Zeno Winkins, or Winkins, I'm not sure, because again, he's Irish, so I'm probably totally screwing that up. But anyway, he had put this list together. And it was really interesting because, like I said, we don't, we don't have that protocol here. I haven't seen anything that says to residential architects, hey, here's the steps you should follow, and here's the steps your clients should follow. But then again, I think we don't, as a, as a nation, there are a lot of people who don't want to be told how to do it. They want to be told that they might have to do it if they want to do it, and they decide it's necessary for them to do it. So that may be why we don't have a protocol. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like every state is a little bit different just because the the federal response has been somewhat fractured <laughs> and 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 so yeah i personally had a bit of experience with that when uh i introduced a contractor that you recommended uh to my parents my parents are looking to build a mother-in-law suite at at the back of their house and 
they they have their drawings and and everything's ready to go and and they're just looking for contractors and i know i've had a little bit of difficulty helping them find a contractor because some just don't want to leave their house and and but we we did eventually find a couple people who were you know willing to come and talk and the the way we handled it because my mom is immune compromised we ended up putting these drawings on the driveway and anchoring them down with with bricks and then just pointing to the different everybody came into the meeting wearing a mask we lay the drawings out with bricks on the driveway and we all stood six feet apart outside and we also scheduled the meeting for 9 a.m because by noon you probably want to be inside at least in texas a little bit yeah you, you definitely by noon you want the air conditioning yeah <laughs> yeah so 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 taking all that into consideration, we we were able to meet in person and safely discuss what they wanted to do without the concern of oh who who's going to pass the virus on to who and and I, I felt very comfortable with the meeting. I felt very safe in the knowledge that everybody was doing the best they could given the circumstances and. You know, n- nobody's tested positive and, and everybody walked away okay. So I, I think we had some measured success there, at least. What about you? Yeah, for me, I, I do try to be particularly cautious. I do have a client who had uh, what kind of cancer? He had cancer. I can't remember what it was. And it's probably been about 10, 10 or 15 years, maybe, but. He is still in some ways compromised. I mean, there, there's just a concern that if one of them is going to get sick, it's likely to be him. So meeting with them, walked in the door, everybody had mask on. We didn't get too close. And I had to go back and measure measure the house on the outside. This is because I've, I've worked with them before. But I had to do some exterior measuring. And then I had to actually walk through the house to get to the backyard and I did not hesitate. I mean, before I ever got in the house, the mask goes up. I try to not touch anything and walk straight through the house and out the back door. It was like, it's, well, you just sit over there in your chair. I'm good. I'm going to you know, go do this. And the same thing when I was done measuring in the back, going back through. So you just have to be cautious of that. I think everyone has to really be conscientious about what am I doing and how do I make sure that my client or the potential client, they feel safe and I feel safe. And just follow you know, sort of common sense guidelines. You know, the showrooms, when all this started and all the shutdowns started happening, there are showrooms that you cannot go into now without a meeting. They are not going to let you in the door. They're locked up as tight as can be. And you can't, used to be, I could just walk into any showroom when I wanted. But now you have to have an appointment and they're going to keep that door locked, which is fine. And and the one showroom that I, I went into it was mask and hand sanitizer. All the employees were masked. The clients were masked. So they they had thought about this really, but even like the stone showrooms where, where you have to really walk the yard. And I don't know if you've had to do this before, Matthew, have you ever had to like go slab picking? Yes, I've done that actually for our house. We put new countertops in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. And you know how that is. Those, those slabs, they're not spaced far apart. <laughs> Oh no, they're oftentimes right stacked up on top of each other. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean the 
I think one of the first times I ever went, it must have been 90 degrees, 95 degrees inside the warehouse. It was just disgusting. But even the, even those those stone showrooms, a lot of them are a lot of them are putting their slab selections online, so you can go online and look initially, and then make that time set aside. Said, okay, I want to see this, I want to see this, and I want to see this. So you can sort of minimize what you're doing, and and most products you can find online anyway. But I still think at some point you actually have to go see it in person. Yeah, because material selection is a I feel like a very tactile part of the part of the, the the design process like if you're really going to the detail of of walking a client through all of these different types of carpet selection or, or stone or tile or, or whatever you're putting in in the design that's something that you you probably want to feel you know there's 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 just certain qualities that you just have to experience whether that be sound absorption or how it's going to feel against your your feet or, or something like that that you only get from going in person to see. Right. I think it's a very personal thing to make those selections. So there are times, well, like I tell, I, I tell clients before you purchase that bathtub, you're going to go sit in it, sit in it. You're going to have to go climb in it you take your shoes off, climb in, lay down. Cause it's the only way you're going to know if you really like it. So there, yeah, I, I think when it comes down to, to materials and stuff you can look at some of that stuff online but ultimately i I do think you have to see it so so obviously theoretically you really can't do your finished selections virtually but what what can we do virtually um or what i guess what can't we do virtually is what it comes down to and the first thing i think of is a job site meeting not that i've had a lot lately but i know you've you have a regular job site meeting don't you with the project you're working on so I usually try to go out there once a week, uh, but yes, we. One thing that you absolutely can't do, virtually or online these days, is go to your job site. And I'm currently working on a sixty thousand square foot historic preservation project, and there are times when you just can't avoid or have to go out there to physically see what's going on to either address an RFI or look at, look at a paint selection for the joists that we put in a few weeks ago or whatever the case may be. But yeah, job site meetings are one of those things that's fairly difficult to do unless you're willing to have a, unless you're willing, unless you have found a contractor who is willing to walk through with his phone and just, and just kind of video the whole thing. Which, which even then wouldn't get, wouldn't even get some of the more intangible parts of the projects across. Like, like we're saying, the, you know, the if your screen's the the wrong, if your screen's reflecting the wrong shades of color, you might not get the 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 color impressions right. So it, it just it behooves you to take a, a site visit. Right. Yeah, and that's that's part of the whole construction administration part of most projects where you really are, you know, Matthew mentioned an RFI. Well, that's called a request for information. So those are things that you may have to go out and look at and just see what's going on really before you can answer the question. So yeah, it's, it's, it'd be great if the contractor would walk around with his phone, but I think they would look at you like you lost your mind. Just, you know, get in your car and get your butt out here. <laughs> I, I, I don't think they'd, they'd be too keen, but the, but like we said too, the other thing you really can't do is, is the shopping with your clients. You know, we, 
there are times you just really had to get in the car and go out there and walk through with them. And that's just the way things are going to go. But it brings up the, the issue. A lot of these things actually bring up the issue of liability because this is a whole new ball game for everybody. I mean, liability used to be worried. I mean, used to be worried about, did I miss something in a drawing and something's going to fall down? Is, did I not design something correctly? What's, what's my exposure here? And now it's becoming a question of when you say exposure, you're meaning something far, far more serious. So how do we start, how do we start talking about that? Yeah. And, and I, I remember talking with you at one point about your, your, you actually had a a client that tested positive. Yes. Oh God. Made me want to pee my pants when I found out. Uh, I had, I had met with her middle of June and she called me the first Monday in July and said, I've, I think I have COVID. I'm, I've been tested. I'm waiting on my test results. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And sure enough, she messaged me back on that Wednesday and said, oh, yeah, I've got it. And I'm like, oh, crap. Because I don't know. You know, my, my first thought was, have I, was I around her in a time frame that I should be worried about? And I started going backwards on my dates. I'm like, Okay, it was this day that I met with her. A week later, I had an antibody test that came back negative. She mentioned that her boyfriend gave her his cold on July 2nd. I'm like, aha, I know who she got it from. <laughs> so I, I, you know, just one of those things I felt okay about, you know, okay, so she, we, we know she's tested positive, but for me, it's, it's at that point. I was close enough to meeting with another client that I said, I went to meet with them and said, look, I need to disclose this to you. Here's my close going off my client. Here's my situation. No, I don't think I'm positive. I mean, we're still, still walking around with our mask on and stuff. So we were fine. And, and they actually had had a COVID-19 test uh, about four or five days before we met and they were waiting on results. But, you know, it's one of those things of, of when it happens, you you're going to have to, take the responsibility to notify your clients. Uh, one of the contractors we've both worked with, his, our, I guess, have you actually worked with James? Yes, we've worked with him on a few projects, actually. Okay, oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, he had, um, I was talking to him one day, his, I think it was his cabinet guy, had gone for a test because he was having all sorts of symptoms. And they were getting ready to have a, a job site meeting with the client on that Friday and it was Thursday and the guy was still waiting on his test results. And the only thing James could do was reach out to the client and say, Hey, here's what's going on. It's up to you. If you want to meet in person, we don't have to, or if you want to meet out in the yard and we can all stay socially distanced and have the discussion we need to have, hopefully they're going to come back with test results by the end of the day, Thursday, and we'll know more on Friday morning. But yeah, he actually had to stop what he was doing and, and notify the client. Yeah, that brings up a whole nother level of responsibility and liability that I'm not sure anybody's really worked out how that all works in the courts. Because you hear about architects getting sued all the time for one thing or another. It's it's a favorite favorite target of mine. But I, I like to talk about how you know Calatrava gets sued in almost every country he builds in because <laughs> something something happens to a building of his or whatever. And, and and somebody ends up unhappy with him and then they sue him for it. So you hear about stories all the time about 
architects getting sued for de defects in their buildings and everything. But now on top of that, if you meet in person and if you are going into people's homes and you you have opened yourself up to a whole nother level of liability and, and disclosure that we didn't have before. Yeah, I, I'm wondering how long before that that starts getting worked into the uh, American Institute of Architects, their existing contract documents. I did talk with an attorney here in Dallas. His name is Mitch Milby. He is, um, God, I've known Mitch, it seems like forever. And his focus is nothing but working with architects and contractors and working on these types of, you know, anytime there's a lawsuit. If, if I was going to get sued for something, the first person I would call would be Mitch. I'd be like, okay, plunk your ass down in the chair and tell me what how much trouble I'm in. But he had written a, a post on LinkedIn about force majeure, which basically says, what can you do in a contract that basically says, I, I'm, I'm not responsible for the delay because of force majeure. Usually there's an act of God, maybe there's a tornado, there's a hurricane, whatever. But apparently you're not covered for COVID-19. No one thought about putting the word pandemic in there. And you can't necessarily use that as an excuse for not completing the job on time. So that's they've already started having that discussion in that regard. And so I would imagine there's a lot of background discussion happening about architects' liability and you know for, for potentially exposing exposing clients. And even though you know the feds right now are working on language, working on legislation that's is designed to limit business liability. But in the meantime, I think everyone as we're going forward has to be thinking about those things. It's kind of just adds a whole other layer onto the the wonderfulness that is being an architect. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So I think that's where we'll stop there. I was just getting just getting goosebumps just from uh, just from hearing about all the lawsuits, the potential lawsuits. <laughs> so I think we'll we'll stop there and uh, uh, thank y'all for. Listening to us as we, you know, go over some of the strategies for meeting with new clients, reviewing designs in person and virtually, and then some of the, and then discussing some of the limitations and liability issues that may pop up over this. Y'all stay safe out there, and we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>